Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Do you have a group chat where you continuously talk about summer getaways, but never actually go anywhere? With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels and also get amazing deals on rental cars and flights. And you can do it all from your phone. So stop texting and start planning. It's time to get more out of your summer. And you know, when you save more, you can do more. More adventures with friends, more unbelievable views, more walks on the beach, more unforgettable moments. Priceline knows every trip is a big deal. So tell your friends you found a great deal on the Priceline app and take your plans out of the chat and onto the road. So remember, when you're ready to book your next trip, check out Priceline.com for the easiest way for you to get more out of your next summer getaway. Just before we do get going this week, we would like to point you all in the direction of our new partners over at Pitch Football. On the Pitch Football app, you'll be able to make predictions and rate the Everton squad and performances and interact with ourselves as well through the fan time feature. That's where we record our thoughts on the team at the moment, get a video out to you guys and you can respond and we'll share them through our social channels. It's dead easy and it's free as well. So remember to get your predictions in on the Pitch Football app for the upcoming Everton fixture and download by searching Pitch Football app where you can get all of your latest Everton news. Thanks very much for listening to that message. Here's the rest of your podcast. It is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk this week. Everyone's very happy of a blue persuasion on Merseyside after that game against Watford at the weekend. Last minute winner, loads of drama. Yeah, Dave Downey joins me in the studio. It's just me and you and today, Dave. Uh, Hannah, Hannah Farrell's meant to be joining us, but she's not very well. So get well soon, Hannah. Yeah, definitely if, get if, well soon. If you're listening to this. Um, she must have not been feeling well to, to not want to come in and talk about that game at the weekend. Well, she's been on her travels, hasn't she? she uh, okay. Uh, she, she missed the game um, because I think she's been gallivanting across Europe. Going to all of these different uh, capital cities and things like yeah. that, so I think she's uh, a little bit worse for wear. And it's <laughs> you know it too well, Mac, because you're a heavy drinker. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> every every uh, 
every single night you have there, I think you pay for it when you get back, don't you? So yeah. I think, I'm sure she'll be back on her feet soon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure she'll be back on soon as well. Um, we are going to talk about that Watford game. Um, I think me and Dave need a bit of a debrief after the post-match, which we did, where we were both <laughs> just sort of lost for words a little bit. Um, in the final part of the show, we'll be looking ahead to the Merseyside derby at Goodison Park on Sunday. Uh, Willie Kirk. <laughs> And the Everton girls are going to try and get one over on Liverpool again, do the double. Um, Kate Valley James spoke to Willie about his team and how they've been doing this season and how they're looking forward to that match at the Old Lady. But like I said, Dave, um, first part of the show, deep breath for me and you. We got a bit wrapped up in it all on Saturday. Yeah. If anyone's not gone, listen to the post-match. Yeah, um, it starts off with you opening the can directly <laughs> into, into the microphone. It, it was one of them. Um, and, and even now, you know, you, you sort of think back, it's... In some respects, it's quite similar to the Newcastle game where a few days later you're thinking, did that did that really happen? Mm. And I, you know, I've been talking about this and I've, you know, people who don't follow Everton have asked me about this game and stuff like that. It's like, oh, good, good win for Everton. That. And the more you think about it and the more you talk about it, the more you realise that this was such an, an unconventional un- unconventional Everton win, wasn't it, in regards to how they went about it? it you know, Everton don't usually win football matches in, in this manner, but they managed to somehow do it on the weekend. It was the polar opposite of anything we've seen, really, isn't it, in recent years, certainly. I mean, you have to think back, when this used to happen more of a, on a consistent basis, it was under David Moyes, wasn't it, where we keep games really tight and pop up a, a KL last-minute winner, for instance, would be the, the, uh, the saving grace for us in games that were really close. Uh, this shouldn't have been close, though. This is where it's completely different, I think, because... Watford should have been out of sight. The others on the ropes at two nil, um, two nil up for them. A calamitous minute for them, uh, just before half time. The best time I think to get back yeah. into a football match. And we were in the ascendancy in the second half, up to the point of Fabian Delft sending off. And it was a game that the two them throwed quite a lot. I think, um, in and Watford, I don't think were any good. When when it got back to two all, I, I thought, I said to you at half time. I think I remember. A good team goes on and wins this yeah. for us. Yeah. Uh, and the way we went about winning it, I wouldn't necessarily point to us being <laughs> a good team and going about it in a good way, given uh, given Delph sending off and given the way we played, given the way the, the match winner played as well. Yeah. Because I, I I think many of us were already at our keypads to give Theo Walcott a, a pasting along with so many others, really, because it was a very tepid performance once again. I don't think we really asserted ourselves in the game. And then Look, it just shows you the result blows it all out of the water, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, same as we were desperate to relate to the performance when we suffered that killer blow against Newcastle. Now we're keen to not yeah, so much talk yeah. about the performance <laughs> and, and more about the result, the resilience and what it does. <clears throat> and you talk about taking a breath. I think in the post-match, what we didn't have a chance to do was assess what this does for Everton and where it leaves them mm. and, and the rest of our season, really, with the 13 games that we have left. Um because the only result that did not go in our favour at the weekend, except for Sheffield United, who got a great 1-0 win away at Palace, was Tottenham beating Man City. That would have been the complete box yeah. set for us this weekend. But Tottenham have gone four points above us into fifth now. Um, you know, If you'd have said to me when Carlo Ancelotti takes over, we'd be within four points of fifth and a guaranteed Europa League spot. We're probably within three points of a Europa League spot. Mm. Uh, it'll probably go to sixth, possibly even seventh, depending on the FA Cup. Um I'd have said you're absolutely crazy, uh, given the squad, given the limitations we've had. And you look at the, what is it, seven games, won four, drawn two, lost one. Yeah. You look at that run, which is the second best since he's come in, in the Premier League, uh, say for Liverpool. You look at that, and I still look at it, and I think, probably could have been better this. Yeah. Because you, you think of the, the two all, obviously, comes to mind. So there's two points dropped there. 
City's the one you write off, I think, because we, we weren't great that day. Maybe could have come out of it with a point. We only mm. lost 2-1 in the end. But um, what was the other game? West Ham. West Ham. Which, if we'd have had any sort of midfield, I maintain we should have won that game. Because they, they were on the haunches. So what I'm trying to say is, I, I think Carlo Ancelotti's done even better than what even the form table suggests. See, I think we should be at least a couple of points better off, maybe even four if you take those two draws. We probably should have won both of those games. If you look at the, the finer details of those matches and... Um, any sort of performance against West Ham would have given us three points there. I'm, I'm adamant about that. And the Newcastle one was, you know, we don't want to hark back to but that. But that's, really. you know, we, we are where we are in that centre, aren't we? We're not a team that are capable of, of, of winning. You know, going to, you know, if we had West Ham and Watford back to back, you know, but you wouldn't be sitting there saying, oh, we're going to win both of those games. You'd probably say, well, four points is probably dead, go- yeah. dead good for us. You know, we're not there yet in that no. regard, are we? And if, you, if we won three on the bounce, yeah. it really surprised me. Yeah. It must be a long, long time since we've done that. I would think it never happened last season. I don't think. Uh, I think it maybe happened once, did it? Where we did it. We beat West Ham, Arsenal, and Chelsea in a row. Potentially not in that order. It was Chelsea, West Ham away, Arsenal. Yeah, the back end of last season. Yeah, I think, yeah, of I think that was it. Anyway, I'm not entirely sure. And but. yeah, I mean, you know, even that in itself, in the microcosm of what that was, our season was over. Really, we were never going to get a catch Burnley. Was it Burnley last season? Who was it? We no, were going to get up to seventh, were we? No, because it was very much the top six last season, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, just to give that a little bit of context, but we've never really put our foot down uh, and gone on a run where you think back end of that Martinez season, his first season in charge, where I think we won eight on the spin. Mm. I mean, you think about how far away that was. That yeah. is now in in, uh, in Premier League terms. Because in general, I think you, you you pull it all back, and we are a very average slash poor side. I think. I think we're a batch of many in the Premier League. What we have, though, and, and the ace in the pack for for us is the Ancelotti factor, and it is the fact that he's obviously been coming with investments in mind too, um, and that's what I think separates us from the rest here, and what what you can really get behind and give you a positive feeling about stuff. But I think what the game on Saturday showed as well is that maybe where we stand out ahead of some of the other teams, like you said, there it is quite a, a swollen mid table full of you know sides who aren't very good or sides who don't quite know what they're about yeah equally as many flaws as they've got positives yeah, yeah. yeah. you know people people have it, it it seems like everyone is in transition or just not very good this season yeah. you know that, that's what the Premier League sort of feels like but don't tell Liverpool fans well tell, you're telling well, you've me already yeah. the, you've already told <laughs> yeah. Liverpool fans yeah it's uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a taste of that the other day yeah I've, I've had all that the LFC family want to get in touch it's match day football just, <laughs> yeah, it's fine it's absolutely fine um, but I had I think, to put my account on private the other day really Wolves fans come at me because I said after that win We've won more games than everybody's second team Wolves, and they didn't like it. They did not like it. Well, the Wolves were barking at the door. Let me tell you, <laughs> it's, it's I had to all, put my account on private for a few hours. It's almost like football fans are dead fickle. It is, and it's, <laughs> it's almost like they don't read what you said. It wasn't a criticism yeah. of Wolves. It was a comparison to a side that I think many people consider they've done really well this season, yeah. and they have done really well yeah. given they've had European football, given the fact they got through the group, a difficult group, quite comfortably. Mm. I love Wolves. I think they're brilliant. To I don't watch. Think any, any None of them are listening anyway, I so say, don't know why I'm saying this. But no reason to vindicate what I said, but yeah. that's what I was getting at. And that Everton had been wretched for large parts of this season. And since Duncan Ferguson took over uh, and Ancelotti to follow him, we've been, I think we've maximised what is possible right now, given the limitations of the squad that he's got to work with. And I think, coming back to, to the point I was sort yeah. of going to make, is that what Duncan did and what Ancelotti has done, I think is. 
embolden the players in the squad that we've got who are capable of being game changers. You know, you look you look at you know the front two, Richarlison and Dominic Carvalho, and the impact they've had over the last few weeks in regards to the goals they've scored. And I think that's where you look at us and you look at some other teams in, in that section of the Premier League. And, you know, the, the teams around us, like Sheffield United and who else? It's just everyone. <laughs> Basically everyone in the Premier League around us at the moment. You know, people like Burnley and Newcastle and all that. Arsenal. You look, yeah, you look, you look at us and you think, we've got players who, when we play in games like the weekend and, you know, like Brighton at home and like Burnley at home, who should be able to just sort of put their head above the parapet and get out of this this maelstrom that most football matches are at the moment involving teams in that section of the, of the, the table and produce something. And I think that's what the, the game at the weekend was, wasn't it? I think in general play, there wasn't really much between the two sides. Like you said, they started well, we came back into it. We started the second half well. They came into it when when they had you know, the 10 men. But what we had was someone in Yeri Mina who... Was just there to stick to had you know one one headed away and one one poachers efforts away before that, and then the the goal at the the end you've got someone in Richarlison who just I think it's probably been a bit unheralded how good a bit of play that was, and, and you put it into context where he's been legging it back throughout the entire game trying to you know give Luca Dean cover. Certainly when we go down to ten men, he's, he's got to defend. He's been injured for the two games before that. He's back at his old club. He's getting loads of stick. He's been kicked around a bit. To produce a run like that and to have the clarity of mind to take that, I think you mentioned it on the post-match, take that touch out wide and then play the ball into Moyes Keane, which he does. You know, and, and you know, obviously Moyes plays a great pass to Theo. <laughs> it, it's another it, thing yeah, people get upset it, about. It, in, that, in that in mind. But I think I think those moments, there's not many there's not many teams in, in the league who've got a player who can maybe do that. You know, you look at Watford and you've got someone like Delafay, you would probably do the run then and then pass it. You've got to try and couldn't sign take yeah, a shot. You've got other you've got other teams in the league who've probably got players who can play that pass but can't do the bit before it. And I think that's where we we should look at it and say we're probably structurally and in general play about the same as a lot of sides. But in Richarlison we've got a game changer. In Dominic Carvalho we've got a potential game changer now. Yeri Mina is the same. Should be scoring loads more goals from set pieces. And that's where I think we can sort of for now have an edge on a lot of those sides. No, I think that that's a really good assessment of what what we are and where we are right now, Matt. It's a uh, it seems with those players, though, it's not necessarily a motivational thing with them. I think you're constantly, consistently getting those performances from Richarlison. He's been exceptional this season from Carvalho-Lewin. Those game-changing players aren't the issue for me. It's getting them on the ball. So you talk about Richarlison there. His performances will never veer. His efforts will never veer from putting everything into a match, a 10 out of 10 in terms of effort, and trying to have a positive effect on this team. But taking that Watford game on its own in isolation. He wasn't even in the match no. in any attacking sense at all until that long bursting run that he makes at the end. I actually, there's, there's a couple of things that I'd, I've had thoughts about with this because I I would have been happy because he was pulled as he as Keane gets the first touch to him and knocks it out. And that wonderful video is on our social media you need to watch, by the way, the yep. Wofford fans filmed. Which Charleston himself has, has uh, retweeted, hasn't he? Within seconds, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful, it's great, and, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll treasure it forever, yeah. And thanks very much to the, um, well, the masochist of a, <laughs> of a Wofford fan who decided to film it. And uh, the abuse that Richardson gets, it's just, it's just a sweet, sweet moment. Uh, but when he, when he bursts forwards, I'm not sure who the right back is, trying to pull him back a little bit, grabs his shirt a little bit, tries to put his hand over the shoulder... I'll admit, I want them to go down when that happened because I thought, yeah, that's it, draw, take it, run and and get out of there with a point, unbeaten run, maintained, let's go to Palace yeah. next week. 
what's in his head and how he uh, carries himself in that moment. I'm sort of thinking, if he'd been in the game a lot, had he scored one of those two goals that Yeni Mina scored, I'm thinking maybe he does go down there, maybe he feels like he, he doesn't really have to affect this game. With what he's done he's happy with his performance. But then I thought, no, that's probably a betrayal of how good this lad actually is. In his mind, straight away, as soon as he gets that ball, is get up the other end of the pitch as quick as possible. He didn't go down. I'm trying to think, may he he might have gone down under different managers in different scenarios throughout the season. Maybe before a certain article was written about him. Absolutely. Going down easily. Yeah, so, so thanks to all of Fleet Street's <laughs> finest to, uh, who, who penned that piece, although those critical pieces of him when mm. they left the rest of the league's divers alone. Yeah. <clears throat> Most of and, um, <laughs> when When he gets that ball and, and bombs it forward, it, it is just a run of pure intelligence. It's not one where... Walcott, who's the victor in all this, if that was him on that ball, <laughs> there's no way we'd score. There's no way he'd end up with an Everton shirt on the end of it and putting it away in the last minute. He's probably the only player, I think, in our team who's capable of yeah. doing what he did. The touch to bring two defenders towards him is fantastic. The pace he shows. I, I think his pace is one of his under, underrated attributes, by the way, because mm. he is really quick. Yeah, I just think, like you say, you start thinking more of the work rate and stuff, which... Everton should really be ashamed of that he has to do those things because I'd love to see him in games just giving it everything in the final third. The fact he has to track back, it's a massive asset for him and us, but it shouldn't be that way and I'm pretty sure it won't be that way if Ancelotti gets a real grip of this side in the summer. Um, And and then the ball, just perfectly weighted. There was a nonchalance about it, there was no panic about it. And, And I agree with you, I think, with the exception of maybe Wilfred Zaha in that cluster of sides, don't think there's there's anybody else who'd do that for you. Mm. And maybe him. Dharma Traore, maybe, but he, his end product's not the best. Yeah, I yeah. think he, you could see him destroying the two fullbacks, but he'd be that far ahead of them. I think he'd <laughs> try to cut in and do yeah. something himself. But yeah, I mean, he's in blistering form. I think mm. probably him, uh, just to appease those Wolf fans who are listening. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was such a, a brilliant moment for us that it sort of encapsulated the feel good factor I think we've all had since Ancelotti's come in. Not by way of how well we've done in terms of playing, but because he's our manager, and I still see so many blues to this day on social media saying, I still can't believe we've got Carlo Ancelotti as our manager. Yeah. And and we, we've heard, uh, I was talking to Alan Irwin, who covered Deadline Day, which was a damn squib for him. He got to sit in his car and he Certainly compared day. to uh, his previous ones, I imagine. Yeah, and I think he was really grateful that he got to sit in his car with the locks on yeah. and nobody able to, um, <laughs> to infiltrate his personal space, shall we say. But he was saying he was talking to a lot of people who work at Finch Farm and he was talking about how positive the the feeling is and the order is about the club now that yeah. Ancelotti's in there and he said he's affected everybody that's in there from the receptionist Mary who's been there for years mm. loveliest lady you could ever meet she she was like you, you sort of just get a feel about this that there's a calmness about it there's a there's a confidence there's an air of something different that we haven't yeah. had at a Finch Farm in the past where everybody seems to be at ease about what their jobs are what their tasks are and you've got somebody who will quietly hold them to account in, in, in Ancelotti and he seems to be really injecting that across every, everywhere in the club and you only have to listen to his post-match interviews Matt Yeah, where I think he's, he's, he's so honest and he's so um, assured about how this all works because he's seen it all before, you've seen the yeah. Newcastle post-match interview we give, no panic whatsoever mm. he said this sort of thing happens lost Champions League finals like he this. referenced yeah. the Champions League which will have infuriated <laughs> large portions of the fan base no doubt but the finer details of what he says are so intelligent and he's so thoughtful in how he delivers what he says after games and he must just be a pleasure to play for 
He's like I'm an anchor to perspective, isn't he? You know, he is. You know, he's like a conscience. They're not gonna yeah. get. They're not. You, you can't imagine he's gonna let them get too carried away after this this yeah. week. It will be calm and right onto onto Palace now. Whereas you, you know, maybe some managers will get get swept up in it or that sort of thing. But look at it. Look at his demeanor when we scored the goal. Couple of fist bumps. Yeah. Couple of high fives with staff. Our players are running down to the corner, which looked fantastic. It was brilliant, but he was calmness personified. I'm thinking if that's Marco Silva. So was Duncan. Duncan. <laughs> well, very reserved. I mean, you look at him hugging ball boys a few weeks ago to sit in there, quiet little fist bump, let's get the job done, lads, because we know what happened against Newcastle. Mm. That is that. I think that's the mark of, of a classy manager, whilst everybody else is getting caught, rightly so, in the furore of scoring a last-minute winner. Um, so you know, he, even those little things give you full confidence in him that he's going to do the right thing for us going forward. Just before we go to a break, have you have you watched the goal back loads of times? I, so I, that, I, that, I, well, I have because I think late goals where you score like a, a long range one are great, and you sort of, I sort of watch them five five times or whatever. But this one, it feels like every time I watch it, I see something different. It's, it is like a proper work of art, you know, mm-hmm. complex, intricate thing. Like you see, like you said, that Richarlison uh, pullback, you see people behind the goal doing little jumps up and down, ready to go for it. It's like, it's probably my favourite type of goal where you'd have that two-second gap before you know it's coming. You have a counter-attack, it's last minute, it's in front of the away fans. I, it's, it's, it is a true work of art in so many senses. But it's one thing to say, I think, about uh, going to games as opposed to watching them on TV because... I've I've watched so many different angles of this, but you can't see. I think match of the day highlighted it, but even then it was a poor angle, um, where you see Walcott initially start his run mm. to to bomb it forward and be there at the back post. That's to his credit. That I know he gets slated. I've slated him because he has been poor. I'm sure he'd admit he was poor and has been for large parts his first goal this season in 20 yeah. odd games. You can't you can't have that sort of record. I don't care. For he's, forward in February. Who's, not, who's yeah. played in the Champions League? He's played in the Champions League final. Theo Walcott, and he's only 30. You know, there's no there's no. Issue. I mean, I think I saw. Who was it? One of the players tweeted saying he's still got it. Well, he should still have it. He's 30. <laughs> yeah. And he's blisteringly quick. Still, we know that's his main attribute. And this was his. This was a, a perfectly built moment for him to do that. He was in the right back slot. And bombs it up the pitch, keeps up with play, keeps up with everybody, and he gets his just rewards for putting that effort in. Um, there's a lot to be said. I think if you're in that ground, you, you're you're there like you've got one eye on Richardson, and you're fleeting back throughs in the middle and things yeah. like that. You don't really do that when it's on TV. Um, and you're right. And I've watched that Wofford fan video. I think it's been retweeted or shared or watched like in excess of sixty thousand times. I think Hobbling. I'm responsible for about thirty odd thousand. <laughs> yeah, uh, go and check that out if you haven't. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is fantastic. Uh, that's the end of part one. After the break, we'll have a chat about Mason Holgate. Have a great game for him at the weekend, and um, we'll look ahead to the game against Crystal Palace. We'll be right back here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Just before we get back to this week's show, thought we drop in some stats from our partners over at Pitch Football. From the weekend's game, here is our Evertonians rated that performance. The team selection was given a rating of 7.5 and in turn Carlo Angelotti, 7.6 out of 10 for Carlo's performance at the weekend. The atmosphere of Vicarage Road, a lowly 6.2, um, certainly not on the Everton away end. And the way he went off after that Lafayette Walcott winner. The referee on the day, 6.7 out of 10. I think there'll be a lot of Blues who disagree with that one. Uh, certainly Fabian Delft might disagree with that one as well. And the man of the match, according to the Evertonians over on Pitch Football, was Jerry Mina. Uh, 85% positive rating for Jerry, those two headers, and those pretty sweet dance moves as well in front of the Watford supporters. If you want to get involved in that, uh, vote for your man of the match, have your say on the team selection and the manager, head over to Pitch Football and download the Pitch Football app. 
We are back on the Blue Room. It's part two of this week's show here on Radio City Talk. Dave's still in the studio with me, just a reminder. We've got Kate Riley-James speaking to Willie Kerr coming up in the final part of the show, looking ahead to that Merseyside derby at Goodison Park on Sunday. And We've been specifically asked by some of our followers on social media, Dave, to have a chat about Mason Holgate because maybe he's not getting the credit he deserves. I saw a lot of reports yesterday that Everton are opening contract talks with him. Um, obviously, his deal... Current deal expires at the end of the 2021 season. It's about time, isn't it? Yeah, it is about time. And you look at these players, and I have a, I have a real soft spot for players who do the sort of thing Mason Holgate has, and that is probably feel as if he's at his lowest ebb uh, in his career to date, in his young career to date, it has to be said. What would you say that was? What point in his career would you say he got to that? I think when he had a pretty decent spell under Ronald Koeman, and then was all of a sudden just out in the cold. Uh, and I think it was at that point when he went on loan after that to... He's been on two loans, has he? No, he's been on one. So he, he, on one. he was in the team at the start of last season, wasn't yeah. he? And then I think we got beat by West Ham, then we were home free. But if you just go back to that Koeman spell... Yeah, sorry, go on. So I, I think he played in that game when we won 2-1 at West Brom. Uh, Balassi's debut, it was. Yeah, he set up um, Gareth Barry's winning goal, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Um, that... He was seemed to be really manufacturing a, a really consistent spell of form and the start of a career that we thought would have some longevity in this side. Uh, somebody who, who would be a mainstay in it. And then I remember at the time when Koeman took him out, thinking, what's he done to deserve this? Uh, Ashley Williams was getting games ahead but of him. He was him. playing right back, wasn't he, when he first came into the side? Yeah. And, and Coleman was, was injured. And I think Coleman came back in. And we played Middlesbrough. We played Middlesbrough at home, and Coleman came back in and scored in that scored game. Scored that game, yeah. yeah. Um, and it seemed to me that he never quite got the performances or game time that his his efforts really deserved. And and I feel that that's always been the case with him up until pretty much this season, actually, because I think he was too probably too good for us and maybe too important for us to go out on loan, given our shortages in at centre half. You think of Everton at the best in recent years. It it was when Mina, Keane <coughs> and um Zuma yeah. were at the club last season and um that felt to me like that's probably the best we've seen our centre halves for quite some time really. Obviously had Jagielka was a fleeting time uh towards the end of his career under this re- recent batch of managers. Obviously his, the main bulk of his good work was under Moyes yeah. and probably Martinez. And then previous to that it was not what like this Dan. Um and, and that era under Ashley Stones. Williams, Stones. Yeah. And I feel as if he was always third or fourth choice in the pecking order, probably unfairly so, and not quite given the chances. And when he has been given chances, I, I can seldom remember the time where he's let this side down. Yes, he's had performances where you thought he's responsible for that individual mistake, he's responsible for us conceding a goal. Tell me a young centre-half that's not. Yeah. You look at John Stones now, is criticised widely for how poor he's been defensively at Manchester City. This guy has epitomised consistency since he's been back in this side, and he's gone about it quietly. I don't think he's had any performances where I'm sat there thinking, wow, he's won us a match there. Um, like Zuma did towards the end of his stay with us last season, yeah. where I'm thinking, you know, he, he's the reason we've won that game. He's not that type of defender, though, I is he? Where he is. He's, not, he's not bodies on the line, like heroic. You're thinking, oh, you know, the, he's, the he's a classy defender. Yeah, I think yeah. he's what, and I'm going to go this far, I think he's what we wanted John Stones to be. And by that, I mean you've got somebody who's really assured and composed on the ball when he has to bring it out. 
enough to be able to play defensive midfielder, which we've seen him do a few times. Yeah. We've seen him crop up at left back a couple of times and, and, and go over there when, when there's a three on the yeah. pitch or even when Luca Dean's forward attacking, we've seen him go out to that side and he seems to enjoy defending. Yeah. I remember talking with somebody a few years ago, ran, this is completely random, but do you remember Daniel Agger at Liverpool? Yeah. And they used to love Daniel Agger and a friend of mine said to me, oh, I can't stand that Daniel Agger, he's a red. I said, why? He said, because he doesn't enjoy defending. I said, what do you mean? He went, well, he loves bringing the ball out. He loves having pot shots from 40 yards. But when you're asking him to put his body on the line and when you're asking him to make a 50-50 tackle, an aerial duel, he doesn't look like he fancies it. Yeah. And and I felt like John Stones is probably similarly cut to that cloth. Definitely. With Holgate, I think you get that more rounded performance from him. I think you get a defender. That, I mean, he won the most aerial duels in that game, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, and yeah, Matt raving about him on the stats pack and, and he doesn't need to apologise for banging the same drum as, <laughs> as the quote went on the tweet that we put out I feel as if you've got somebody who can go on to a, a, a big level a really good level in the game um, that probably exceeds where Everton are right now yeah. I think he's got huge amounts of potential he's quick as well he seems to me he's got everything the levels that he's operating at now are just starting to teeter on Yeah, you know top class in, and how he approaches the game and stuff. Um, I love his contract attitude. needs. His attitude's great, isn't it? I think he, he's. <clears throat> I think he's got that. There's probably two two layers to it. Really, it's it's that what you said there about him going out on loan, not necessarily getting in a huff. He's you know he's while he's been away or not been in the side, he's never come out and sort of said that he's unhappy about where he's playing, about his lack of minutes. He's never briefed anything to to the press about his you know wanting to move or, or that sort of thing. He's, he's just got on with it and going to West Brom, he's clearly learned a lot, got his head down there and has come back and done dead well. But even on the pitch, I think is, I think he's, he's what you want as, you know, because I've spoke to a few people about him, people who don't support Everton and they go, oh, he's honourable him. I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. I, I love, you know, I don't want, I don't want you to like Mason Holgate, he's fine, but he, he's got that bit of edge to him as well, hasn't he? You know, whenever something's kicking off or Whenever something's ha- happening, that's you know, players getting you know shoved around or, or that sort of thing. It's not like he's in there like getting, making things worse, but he's always there. He's always trying to make sure he's involved in it, whether that's to calm it down or just to, to have a word with somebody. And I think everybody likes a player who's got that bit of edge about him, don't they? Well, I think the Firmino thing, uh, the Firmino incident when he just launches him into the front row of the yeah. uh, the main stand, did him a lot of favors with many blues. Mm. <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that other people say that about him, that he's got uh, an edge to him that probably again slips under the radar because I don't see him as a hothead. I don't see him as a player that's potentially going to get sent off for it. I don't see him as a Fabian Delph. Yeah. <clears throat> I see him somebody who, who does it a little bit more on the sly than that. And and that's great to see. I think there's not that many players in the game who will who will do that sort of thing. Uh, I think he's, he's one of the few that sort of stood up when we've gone to Anfield. I think there's a a real sort of tenacity about how he plays and, and, and you can that, that manifests itself in how he how he plays the game as well, I think. Um there's a there's an arrogance that I think he's got that isn't too much over the top. It's not it's something that is still in a confidence sort of bracket. I think it's something that does go into arrogance and I think he just about keeps the right level on it. Mm. Again, referring back to his his friend and somebody who who come before him from Barnsley and John Stones. He had too much of that, I felt at times. Everyone remembers the infamous pirouette at the park end. But we, and, we, when we had John Stones, we were saying, but there was a point where we were saying all these things, wasn't, weren't there about him? But I think what happened with him, he had, he had someone in, 
Roberto Martinez, who seemed to indulge him a little bit, and certainly indulge that side of his game, like you said there, that wasn't about the defender, it was about being... Went too far away. No, the yeah. libero, wasn't it, that sort of player? Yeah, and that, well, he did that with so many players, didn't he, yeah. in that side? I think that was ultimately part of his downfall. You look at like Dale, Dale Afeu, maybe allowing players to express them barely, yeah. express themselves too much. You hope Angel- Angelotti's not going to let that happen, mm. as you'd think? No, like but it. again, I, I, I feel as if the relationship he has with these players is not... It, it's not an intense one where he's... You, you think back to Silva, and, and, and it's obviously a poor comparison to make, given because the chalk and cheese in terms of what they've done, but you look at Silva, when he'd make a substitution, I remember it when he was at Hall, in fact, when he brought on Harry Maguire in a game at Stamford Bridge, the Hall probably should have won, and he spent five minutes just doing all sorts with his hands, showing him all sorts yeah. of instructions before putting him on the pitch. With Ancelotti, I feel as if he's the type that Let's these players know what's expected of them. Let's them know what his thoughts are and what they should be doing on the pitch at very uh, certain times in a game. But isn't somebody who feels as if he has to remind them of that? And it, it it's such a it's such a calm and effect. I think that will work so well on somebody like Holgate. You probably could if you let him off the leash a little bit more, hmm. get a little bit more involved in things, and maybe risk getting yellow cards and red cards in games. But it, it feels as if that there's a, there's a casualness. Possibly the wrong word because that indicates there's a complacency to his game, but there's not there's there's a composure and and a thoughtfulness about how he plays. Um, he doesn't go charging in. No. He only exerts himself when he has to. And I think you look at him and when in that Newcastle game when we were all at sixes and sevens, nearly when we did concede those two goals at the end of the game, it's somebody like him, a presence like him in defence. I think that does wonders when you're trying to see out a game like that like the Waffle game, he's the type that will take an extra touch, then plant it downfield, looking yeah, for a long yeah. pass, rather than hoofing it into the main stand and causing panic and inviting pressure. And I think that maturity is now coming to the surface with him, and I think we've got a, a really top-class defender on our hands. And i tell you something, Matt, he would not be short, short of suitors, so getting this contract signed is a huge thing for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final two minutes uh, before we go to our final break then at Crystal Palace. On Saturday, Goodison Park, one of those games which I always have a bit of apprehension going into. Um, never, never quite fancies against Palace at home. And obviously, the big decision to make is in midfield. You've got to say, yeah, Fabian Del suspended for this one. Um, do you think there'll be many changes after that that game against Watford? Do you think you'll look at the performance and and see the aspects of it that weren't good enough, or is it a case of having those lads who were on the pitch at the end of the game who felt really good about the result going again? Well, I think Schneiderlin comes in for Delph. Mm. Um, so that'll be that. him and Sigurdsson. I think, I mean, I think you can mark Sigurdsson's performance by the lack of criticism, mm. which means he's probably done something right. <laughs> uh, he did provide an assist as well, yeah. didn't he? Um, so that, I think that'll be the two in midfield. Tom Davis seems to have vanished off the face of the earth, and we don't know if he's injured or not. Mm. He wasn't even on the bench against Watford. I don't expect him to come in. So that'll be the starting two in midfield. Uh, everybody else. Bernard's what, been good at home, hasn't he? I think he'll come back in. If who? Awobi. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think that's a good shout. I think Awobi tired towards the end of the game it's when he was brought me. off. Yeah, exactly. So I don't asking him to do two games in a week at this moment in time, I think where it's where we do have relative squad depth. I know we're short in many other areas, but it is, isn't it? On those flanks, we've got three to choose from. Uh, or four if you include Richarlison as dropping into one of those areas. And then I think he'll go with the same two in Richarlison, who we we need to remember this as well. He, he made that run on 90-odd minutes when he started the game and he's been injured too. Yeah. Um, maybe a, 
maybe something that Ancelotti looks at, but he's somebody who's just so resilient, isn't he? He just bounces back from everything. He gets beaten from pillar to post, and then and then he's running absolutely fine. So I think he'll still go with Calvert-Lewin and Charleston up front. Walcott probably that goal retains yeah. his place enough. Um, so I, I can probably see that that one maybe two changes. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed there. We'll see how it goes anyway. Uh, after the break, we'll be looking ahead to that game at Goodison Park on Sunday to doubleheader at the Old Lady this weekend. We'll be listening to Kate Riley-James speak to Willie Kirk. It is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. Back to the next part of your podcast in a moment or two, but I just want to direct your attention to the Blue Room Extra, which is our subscription service for those of you who want a little bit more, well, a lot more from us in regards to content, it's patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. We have all sorts of different shows on there. Very different lineup to what we had previously for 2020. There's plenty of new things on there, including Series 2 of Diaries of an Old Lady, which gets you underway this summer. There's no obligation whatsoever. There's a back catalogue of tens of and hundreds of interviews that we've done with former players and legends, including that Diaries of an Old Lady Season 1 with the likes of Joe Royal, Graham Sharp, Kevin Sheedy, give us their greatest moments as we count down to Everton moving to Bramley Moor in a few years' time. Plenty of other shows coming up as well, brand new ones. We're adding more and more to the list as we go on. It's a really cheap price. It's around £3.99 a month. There's no obligation to sign up either. So you can try it for one month if you don't like it. Just cancel your subscription and we won't be charged any further by ourselves. So please check it out, patreon.com forward slash the Blue Room Extra. Now back to your podcast. Welcome back to the final part of the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. And it is Derby Week in the women's game. Liverpool will travel to Goodison Park on Sunday for that fixture in the Women's Super League. Willie Kirk side looking to do the double over the Reds this season. Earlier on this week, our very own Kate Riley-James sat down with the Everton manager to chat about the game, the progress this season, the FA Cup. And Kate started off by asking Willie about the transfer business that the team had done in the January window. Three in, three out. Uh, I suppose starting with the outs first. Uh, Faye Bryson, who'd been a great servant to the club, she just needed to find games at this mm-hmm. stage in her career. You know, she's, she's still a young girl, although she's been at the club a number of years. So uh, she's moved to Bristol uh, and featured featured in her, in her game at the weekend. And we got a couple out on loan mm-hmm. in terms of hopefully for the longer term development. You know, Elise Hughes, I still see as a future Everton number nine. Yeah, she's yeah. just a young kid. And, and she's just not got the game time that probably herself and has expected her to uh, for a number of reasons. So we felt it was important that we look, we put her first. Mm. Uh, it might leave us a little bit short at times, but uh, we put her first in terms of trying to get her game time. And, and she's went to Bristol for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And then Georgia Brougham, uh, you know, we've probably ended up with one centre back too many uh, as it stands. Just that was the way the summer the summer recruitment went mm-hmm. in terms of ins and outs and and I, th- I think again it was important for G to play yeah. you know, I, I still think G's got an important part to play in the future if she wants that mm-hmm. uh, she's a way to hopefully get some game time at Birmingham and then, and then come back in the summer and, and we'll, we'll reevaluate things along with G yeah. and, and see, see if she wants to be here next year Something we've just touched on with the girls in episode three of Women on the Ball there is how um, how support works from the club when a player goes out on loan, still relatively new uh, in yeah, the women's yeah. game. So what does the club do uh, in, in terms of your staff, in terms of supporting players who are away for that short time? Well, certainly from a, just from a contact point of view, myself and Chris will stay in touch with the girls mm-hmm. uh, weekly, fortnightly, that sort of thing. So I've already spoke to Elise and G since they've been out just find out how they're settling into training and that sort of thing. Uh, 
so so that you know we'll watch the games back. Uh, if we can get to the games, great. Obviously, it's difficult when yeah. we're normally playing at the same time, so we can watch them back uh, on video. And then our physical performance coach will stay in touch with uh, Birmingham and Bristol in this case. Their physical performance coach in terms of loading their GPS data, that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. So 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 we we managed to to track them track them quite closely. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we've just not got that day to day contact, but yeah, yeah, hopefully there's there's enough support there. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the the girls know they only need to they only need to ask and if they're struggling with something or if they want advice on something. Yeah, it sounds like the rest of the team are, uh, are making up any possible slack there with WhatsApps and keeping in touch on likes of Instagram and stuff as well. So there's still a real like family feel. With yeah, the team. yeah, yeah. I think so. I think uh, I think that is something that, that's been one of our strengths this year. And mm-hmm. since we've come in, we've tried to develop that as as a family feel, as a, a real togetherness. And mm-hmm. and even when yeah players leave, be it permanent or temporary I think there's still that that uh, that contact and that connection between the girls mm. so tell us about who's coming in start with Sandy McIver yep Sandy Sandy is obviously graduated now from mm. her time in, in the States uh, she was here as a young girl mm. in, uh, in the youth academy uh, she went to City I think she was at City for a year before she decided yeah. to go to go to college in the States we've tracked her for, for over a year since I came in uh, she was a, a goalkeeper that we wanted to bring to the club we knew we'd have to be patient. We were patient, and and we also managed to get her here. There was there was quite a bit of interest in her, so uh, I think she's a future England number one. Yeah. I think she's a top top goalkeeper. Uh, she's got a lot to still improve on. She knows that, but she made her debut at the weekend, and and I thought it was a very encouraging debut as well. Yeah. Uh, is it Christensen? Is somebody else who's come back as well? Yeah, fantastic. You know, as he was here for a year, mm-hmm. uh, I think her first senior team. Uh, was Everton, so she knows a little bit about the club. Yeah. She also can see the huge changes, not just in the game, but in what what we do as a club since then. So, she's picked up so much real, real experience since then. No, she's been at Birmingham, she's been at City, she's yeah. been at Leon. You know the best club side in the world. Mm. Uh, she's accumulated you know, more than thirty caps for country. So, she comes back a completely different person, a mm. completely different player, and. And it was a huge statement, I think, for us to sign as it. Uh, you know, to get her directly from Leon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the players that she's been training with every day for the last eighteen months, that, that will only benefit us and and she was really positive, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very much a two way thing. We mm-hmm. never really had to convince her too much. There was a, a real want from her to come back to the club. Mm-hmm. So I think she's seen from a distance what we've been doing and I think she's been impressed by that. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a real coup for us, I think, to, to convince us to come to the club. There was a great quote from Izzy, uh, if you'd watched the coverage against Reading at the weekend as well, she'd uh, said to Everton women on their Twitter that even though uh, she'd, she'd not actually participated in the game, she felt like she played the 90 minutes. So you can tell yeah. that she's very much invested in the team and in Everton. She was absolutely buzzing after yeah. the game. Like she came, <laughs> you could b- see she that. bounced down from the stand and I, I went to see her and... And we hugged, and, and you could see how much it meant to her. Yeah. Like she was, she was, yeah, as yeah. if she just played the game. So Fantastic. I think that's great to get, a, especially a senior players buying as quickly mm-hmm. as that. Uh, yeah. And all, also the fact that you know we originally spoke about a loan deal, right. and the fact that we managed to get her on a permanent mm-hmm. for eighteen months. I think again as yeah. a as a statement of intent in terms of the support I'm getting for the club and, and the direction mm. we want to go in. Yeah, fantastic to have her back. And who is it who completes then for January? Yeah, Hayley Rasso. Uh, probably we've been working on that deal for about four months. Wow. Uh, we've obviously pulled in a little bit of help from uh, Mr Cahill. <laughs> uh, 
Tim's been great both ways because yeah. he knows Hayley personally. Hayley's obviously asked him for almost a, a reference on the yeah, club. Yeah, of course, yeah. I've spoke to him about a reference on the person rather than mm-hmm. the player. You know, I'd seen more than enough in terms of the player and term, like I was interested in her. And mm-hmm. I, I know that she would add a lot to the club in terms of the type of player she is. She's yeah. the type of player I wanted. Uh, I thought we were missing that a little bit, that type of player. and. And I really just spoke to Tim a couple of times about her character and, and what type of person we're getting, because that's important for us. Of course. Uh, you mm. know, the last thing I want is a player to travel halfway across the world and then we find that yeah, it's not the type of person fit. we want. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so Tim's helped us with that, but really exciting. You know, over 40 caps for her country. Yeah. She's played in, you know, she's split her time between the NWSL and the, and the W League for five yeah, years yeah. now. So playing for the top teams there. So, yeah, she's again, it was a huge want from Hayley to come to the club. Mm. Uh, she wanted to move to Europe, she wanted to move to England in particular. And and as I said, we've been working on that for about four months now. So it was great to finally get it Fantastic. over the line. And when the, she gets here, it'll be, it'll be good. Yeah, the January you wanted. The it January a, you It's been a great January, yeah. yeah. yeah that, I, think, I think we've maxed out in terms <laughs> of we did exactly what we wanted to do in terms mm. of ins and outs. And, yeah. and I, I don't think it could have went any better, to be honest. Well, the only thing you've got to work on is a very warm Scouse welcome for these girls because they're swapping the likes of the Gold Coast, Portland and <laughs> Leon honestly, <laughs> to come to Finch Farm. But it's a little bit gloomy some days, we've if, got to be honest. If people check out her Instagram, <laughs> she's just, she's because she's, she's not doing anything just now, mm. she's had almost a week off between Brisbane yeah, and then yeah. meeting up with Australia for Olympic qualifiers and she's just been spending it next to the pool. <laughs> And I thought, this girl is in for a Amazing. huge shot when yeah, she arrives in the First middle. pictures of Hayley at Finch Farm, and she'll have all of the training kit on, and then another layer over the top, I think, the way things are going. Yeah. Um, it'll be really amazing to see the uh, the progress from these new signings as we head towards what's probably, at least locally, the, the biggest game that we've we've talked about in, in a long time. Yeah. Um, a historic derby at Goodison Park on the 9th of February. Um, we've got couple of fixtures beforehand as well, Brighton away and also the FA Cup yep. fourth round as well against London Bees on Sunday. How do new sign-ins and changes in the team um, kind of correlate with a non-stop fixture list? I think it's probably good because then they, they come in, you know, we've been doing relatively well this season, mm-hmm. uh, there's always room for improvement but I, I think that because we've been doing well and we've strengthened whilst doing well, mm-hmm. there's not been any desperation or rush to get these girls in the start line-up. Yeah. Now, we've been unfortunate as he picked up a calf injury mm-hmm. shortly after arriving. Uh, and, and I think it's just a, a gradual... If our culture is strong enough, mm-hmm. the culture looks after the player. Be that a player showing them the ropes, a player telling them what the standards are, mm-hmm. uh, the staff relaying uh, consistent messages, uh, probably starting from myself and, and, and you know being threaded throughout the whole staff. So mm-hmm. I think our culture is strong and mm-hmm. I think that's helped anybody settle in and I think uh, obviously the two that are here already have settled in really really well yeah. you know the fact that Izzy feels part of it she's yeah, not been on the pitch yet off. but she feels mm-hmm. part of it so I think that that's that's huge that's yeah. a huge compliment to the way we're running things and, and the players mm-hmm. as well so I was really interested in uh, some comments that you'd made uh, prior to the Reading game I think it was um, obviously we, we know every January is going to be a busy time um, in terms of um, the girls fighting for their place each week yeah. and that it shouldn't be a case of uh, non-players that week waiting for somebody else to drop off it's very much a case of everybody being at that top level so you can you can pick and choose how is that working then with the team what it's it's still a struggle. Yeah, mm. uh, you know it's not easy for us. Yeah, because we've not got a, a first eleven in my head. Yeah. Uh, every opponent, uh, 
gives us a different challenge to think about. Uh, the form of players, the availability of players for injuries. I don't think we've got a, a starting eleven. I would I would hate to hope that we've got a starting eleven because I, I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good to keep the players on their toes. Uh, so, so it's a struggle for us sometimes uh, to pick that team every week. It's certainly been a struggle for some players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that element of competition brings out the best in people, but it can also be a real challenge for, for mm-hmm. players to get their get their heads around. And There's a constant pressure, and, and sometimes I don't think that will be a great experience for them, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that at the end of it, they will come out a better, yeah. a, a better player and a stronger person. So mm-hmm. We said as soon as we walked in 14 months ago that you know, we had that short term, we need to stay up mm-hmm. and then we need to improve the squad. And and that sort of medium to long term target was can we become a top half team? What do we need to do to become a top half team? Yeah. Let's increase intensity in training, let's get a stronger squad so everyone's competing every day and not just on a Sunday. So we've done that and you know, I think I think we're getting the benefit of it. Yeah. That even after the game on Sunday, the training on Tuesday the intensity in the small sided games was incredible yeah. and that, that's momentum Yeah, that's momentum from the way they had to battle against Reading that's the players that went through that battle taking it into training that's the players that were left out for whatever reason knowing that they have to step up to the mark mm-hmm. and, and hit those new minimum standards so it's been great for us yeah. but it's not been easy but it's, it's been great, I think, for the full squad. Yeah. Now, we've got to talk about the derby going forward locally. As we say, the, the murmurs have started already. Yeah. Uh, it was obviously back in November, the first time that we saw the, the two teams clash at a main Premier League uh, venue over at Anfield. Um, what is it already kind of in, in the psyche of the girls, already in the psyche of the team heading into the derby, or are we very much looking at Sunday, the fixture afterwards, and then we come to the derby? I think our, our focus is obviously on the next game. Mm. It's always the next game, but you know I think anybody at either of the clubs would be lying if they said that they <laughs> never looked. When the fixture list comes out, you yeah. look for the derby games, and then you might look for some of the other games like the, the Uniteds and the yeah, Cities yeah. and the Arsenal's and Chelsea's. But the first thing you look for is the derby games. Yeah. You know, very quickly it became close to my heart because. No, my first game in charge was a derby yeah. and we won it so it's, you know, it's special for me already uh, I've now featured in four of them and, and I know how much they mean to both sides yeah. so uh, so obviously the Anfield experience was fantastic mm-hmm. to win the game made it even better and and now the fact that the club are the club are are, are making sure they're going to do it properly at Goodison mm-hmm. and, and we're going to match Liverpool in terms of you know making sure the derby takes a special place in the fixture list and, and yeah. we'll get to have it at the, at the stadium uh, it's just got to add to that you know how special it feels yeah so in terms of uh, preparations then uh, how is it going to fit um, it, it's difficult to ask you because I know like you said we're looking at Sunday's fixture yeah, yeah. and that you know and then the one after which is a, a big old trip down to Brighton as well so it's mm-hmm. not as if it's just local um, in terms of, of yourself in terms of preparations of, of managing the team for the first ever it is a historic uh, moment, if you like, yeah. um, to take the girls out at, at Goodison. Um, what, you know, what, what are you hoping that, that the city uh, or how the city will react? Um, there was obviously a big turnout in terms of it being at Anfield last year. Um, are you hoping Goodison will, will up the ante? Yeah, I hope so. No, I think I think both clubs would do that. Whoever got the first one, the second one, <laughs> would try and beat what the, be that attendance, be that how the you know what occasion they managed to put on mm. the way the dress the stadium the yeah, yeah everything about it you know uh, even even the hospitality I think they're putting on you know everybody's ev- 
each club will try and always get that one up on another one. Mm. So our preparation started last night in terms of taking the girls to Goodison for the Newcastle match, mm-hmm. just to get them on the pitch, to get them in the stadium. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll never replicate it in terms of mm. what that will feel like us crossing the white line, but mm-hmm. the preparation sort of started just lightly, but last night in terms of making sure it was a team activity, so everybody yeah. had to be there. Uh, is that the first time at Goodison for any for any of the players? A lot of them have been there. Uh, I think the new additions. I think yeah, the new additions certainly first mm. time they've been there. Uh, we did a tour last earlier this season, I think. Mm. Uh, but again, when there's you know a full house and yeah. an actual match Cold. setting, it's completely different. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it was good. I think the players enjoyed it. Uh, I think we all left before Newcastle <laughs> woke up. I was hoping we weren't going to talk about that. Bit, so but yeah. <laughs> I think I think everybody enjoyed it because we never actually had to go through that last yeah. few minutes. Uh, <laughs> Lucy had said that she was well out in the car park yeah, and I couldn't understand why the Newcastle fans were celebrating when they came out. I know. Got it. I know. Crazy, <laughs> but yeah, obviously yeah. one of those things. But yeah, so our, everybody's looking forward to it. Mm. I think. I think again, the clubber have decided we're having it at Goodison and we're going to do it right. Yeah. yeah. So. We, we obviously would love to get more than 23,500. Well, I was just going to say, so my last question to you then um, in terms of like ticket sales. So for adults, it's just £6, and for over 65s and juniors, it's just 3 How important is it, um, when, you, when you look at the wider women's game, that these, uh, that these games are so accessible? Yeah, I, th- I think it does. You know, I think you can, you know, for Sunday to, to tell you you can go to a Liverpool derby for six quid is, is probably <laughs> the value off, for right? money yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I think anybody who was at the Anfield game would have enjoyed it I yeah. don't think it was a particularly great game mm-hmm. I think the occasion got to certainly our players mm-hmm. I don't think we played great but we, we obviously won the game you know, I think the importance of the crowd is huge because the, the fight we had to put up we were defending that second half in front of the cop yeah. and it was, it was good numbers there and the, the support Liverpool got from, from that stand almost was enough to score a goal itself yeah. and we had to fight tooth and nail to keep all that clean sheet and keep all the three points and, and the two two and a half thousand that we took gave us so much energy mm-hmm. because we're defending with the cop behind us but we see our own support in the far corner yeah. and, and the way the girls reacted to winning and going celebrating with the fans mm-hmm. and it means everything so you know I think if we can try and turn that around and use that in a, a real positive way so you know can we get more than twenty three and a half thousand that's over to Evertonians to decide that and, and hopefully they come out in numbers yeah. to support us I've absolutely no doubt if you're still looking for tickets or you want any more information about the upcoming fixtures for Everton women we'll put a link below if you're watching on YouTube and if not you can drop us a line on the Blue Room on Twitter and on Instagram too Willie thank you so much for your time thank you wonderful stuff there and make sure you do get down to that game on Sunday if you can back to back games at Goodison Park potentially if you go into Crystal Palace as well uh, we'll put a link out on our website and on the description of this podcast for you to get your tickets for that match at Goodison Park. Should be a great day. Fingers crossed the girls can get the business done against the Reds. That's it for this week here on Radio City Talk. Thanks very much to Dave as well. Enjoy the rest of your week. Fingers crossed we can get over the line against Crystal Palace on Saturday. And we'll speak to you again very soon here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? 
find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.